there are very few examples of overnight successes that are true overnight successes. And in my experience, it takes you know at least five years, probably more like 10 years for you to build something that's significant. Like if you trace it right back to when you first start. So um, pace yourself, um, hydrate, <laughs> get loads of sleep. Like honestly, these like this is the advice that my mum always gave me when I was young and I ignored her completely. It was like, eat well, drink lots of fluids, get a good night's sleep and everything else takes care of itself and it's so true it's a, it's only taken me 40 something years <laughs> to figure it out um, but you know as, as as humans we're very simple machines well actually we're very complex machines but you know it's it's your outputs all about your inputs welcome to 14 minutes of SAS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. This is episode seven, the final part of a series with Vaughan Ferguson, sole founder and former CEO of Venn, recorded in Rise, Hong Kong. Do we ever truly lose the fear as entrepreneurs? We visit Vaughan's obsessive compulsive world and we discuss founder mental health. We chat about the pressure as a founder to always seem positive and upbeat for your team. And one of the key messages is that entrepreneurs need to look after themselves, take care of their health, and remember that overnight successes are very uncommon in the startup world. The, the institutions are like education, healthcare, you know, um, the political systems. And um, just out of necessity of just being able to manage really complex systems, we had to have these you know, very well-defined paths that we can put all the kids through and, and, and you know, hopefully you know, more than 50% of them will come out the other end and actually you know, uh, you know, be effective in, in the workforce. Um, but now with the infinite pathways that um, technology supports, you know, with, with, um, with automation and AI, you know, we will be in a future where everybody can have their own bespoke learning experience. Um, so the way that your kids go to school will be completely tailored to their way of learning, right? So no longer are they just one kid in a, in a classroom of 30 all learning the same. They will be, they will have their own um, designed learning experience. And the same in healthcare. Instead of it being a reactive uh, system, um, you know, it would be, it would be uh, everybody will have their own health journey. Uh, and, do you, and do you think um, governments should spend a bit more time looking around the world for best-in-class examples of these things? Like when you talk about a personalised education system, I start thinking of Finland, uh, yeah. doing some really amazing things. Do you think governments should just wake up and start sending people out to find out in pockets of the earth where we do things really well and just take those learnings and, and take a shortcut to, to being more, uh, to creating those personalised experiences, being more innovative? Yeah, and I think I think the New Zealand government's pretty good at that. Like we, you know, uh, just because you know we're a tiny nation at the bottom of the world, sure. You know, we we have to go out and find the smart ideas, you know, uh, from from wherever we can find them, and not reinvent the wheel. So absolutely, I think there's an opportunity for for more of that to happen, um, because you know, as a as a global society, if if we can improve the way that our kids learn and, and our healthcare, it's just making everybody better. Um, uh, so, you know, why be in competition with Finland when we can you know, share ideas 
um, and and hopefully make um, you know both both societies better. When did you lose the fear? Lose the fear? Um, I don't think I have. I don't think the fear ever goes away. You just become comfortable with it. Um, and maybe that's been a detriment to my psychological health over, <laughs> over the, <laughs> over the years. Um, but you know, the world, like, life just gets e easier every year. Like, technology advances, the world becomes safer. You know, if you, if you compare today to 20 years ago, it's like, the world is an incredibly different. It feels, it feels like, th the, you know, it feels like things are still dangerous and, you know, the world is in a bad place, but I mean, and, and it is, but it's it's infinitely better than it was 20 years ago. Absolutely. Like we're, we're moving forward. Sections of the media focus but, on the other side. That's the thing, we the don't focus on that stuff. We focus on the next thing that's going to kill us. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, because they make better headlines, I guess. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, you're, you're either motivated by fear or greed. And, and fear is a pretty big motivator. Um, you know, so it's greed. But, um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of great news stories out there that we just don't give enough oxygen to. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't, I, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you have a routine in your life? Uh, um, or is every day a completely different day? Um, or a combination? I think it's a combination. Like, I think, you know, I think Zoe will agree. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, obsessive. There are things, there are definite routines in my life that if they aren't there, then you know, I'm, I, I become visibly uncomfortable, um, you know, just things like having a tidy kitchen, ah. you know, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things. <laughs> um, like I just can't function unless like things are, you, that, things are in Have you got the Nadal thing? Do you organize things in exactly the right way? No, but uh, see, I'm not like that. Like I'm, okay. I don't like have labels on everything and like have everything organized and, you know, color coded from heights and <laughs> yeah. things like that. Like the, in my in my head, there's this mental blueprint of, of like the kitchen is in order. And unless, until the kitchen is in that state, I just can't, my brain can't, just can't get, get past that. Like you would look at our kitchen and there would be nothing, nothing special about that. <laughs> You'd probably say our kitchen is a mess, but it's my mess. It's like the things are in the places it's familiar where mess. <laughs> it's the familiar mess. So there's things like that. Um, routines, absolutely. I wake up, I wake up at six at at, at six fifty nine every morning without fail, without the use of an alarm clock. Like, six fifty nine. Yeah, I will always wake up one minute before the alarm clock. It's amazing. due to go off. Ah, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. But I don't even set the alarm clock. It just becomes one of those things that I don't. I can't explain why, but my brain just knows when it's six fifty-nine. Very cool. Um, so absolutely. I mean, we're, we 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 all live by our routines, and you know, they could be thousands of small routines, or they could be you know a handful of you know quite com complicated, detailed routines. But and when, when you're back in Auckland, what would a typical day be like for you? Typical day. Um, ah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, like, like, do you, in other words, do you have a morning routine, or do you have a? Um, oh yeah, I get up and I have breakfast and get the kids ready for school, and um, so I think there's a there's a pretty clear routine there um, <laughs> that doesn't you you know that doesn't usually get deviated from because um, if it does, then the kids are late for school and somebody gets uh, unhappy about that. Um, and then, you know, that's kind of the first milestone is that the kids are at school. And then the next part of the day is like, okay, so how am I going to spend the next eight or so hours until the kids need picking up from school? Um, and, and that's where the variety happens. So it could be, 
uh, doing some stuff with the charity with Zoe, or it could be doing some stuff at Fend. Or um, I'm also active and you know obviously active in the in the tech community in New Zealand. Might be having a few cups of coffee with people uh, from entrepreneurs, what I call them, you know, people who are thinking thinking about taking that first step. Um, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, go do it, go do it. Um, to um, events, um, and so you know that that chunky part of the day. Um, I don't. There is no. There is no set pattern, and I actually like it that way. I, I don't like the idea of having a very fixed schedule, whereas Monday is this and Tuesday is this. And, um, I like the, the flexibility of, of being being a bit more fluid. Yeah. Um, you like your freedom. Yeah, absolutely. And then in the evenings, then probably that the family routine kicks in again, which is like getting the kids fed, getting them into bed, um, maybe having a couple of hours to, to kind of do something different and then go to sleep. If you were to name somebody who's had a big influence in your career, actually, I know the answer, don't I? Uh, apart from your mum, uh, who would that be, personal or professional? Huh. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd nev- I never know how to answer that question. Like, um, you know, it's it's always the people who are closest to you that have the biggest impact. And so, obviously, family has played a, a, a huge part of my life. Um, also, you know, uh, m- my partner Zoe, is a, don't tell her this like hopefully she never listens to this podcast but you know. oh, I hope she does I hope everybody does the whole world <laughs> um, you know she's been she, every day she teaches me new things and it's like you know the people who you spend the most time with I, I think the key is to surround yourself with people that you that you learn from um, and so I don't have you know I don't have people I idolise you know I have people I respect um, and so I guess you know you could put Rod Drury from the founder of Zero into that into that uh, into that camp, um, but no, it's it's always been the people that you relate with every single day that I think you learn the most from. Just to wrap up, can you give us one or two gems of advice that you'd give to anyone who's thinking of starting up their own business? Um, first of all, absolutely do it because it's it's an amazing journey. Um, but pace yourself. There are very few examples of overnight successes that are true overnight successes. And in my experience, it takes you know, at least five years, probably more like 10 years, for you to build something that's significant. Like if you trace it right back to when you first start. So um, pace yourself, um, hydrate, <laughs> get loads of sleep. Like honestly, these, like, this is the advice that my mum always gave me when I was young, and I ignored it completely. It was like, eat well, drink lots of fluids, get a good night's sleep and everything else takes care of itself and it's so true it's, it's only taken me 40 something years <laughs> to figure it out um, but you know as, as, as humans we're very simple machines well actually we're very complex machines but you know it's, it's your output's all about your inputs would you describe yourself as a happy person I would I would say um, uh, but I'll point out that you know doing this stuff is hard like like founder mental health is is it's like one of these things that nobody ever talks about, but every entrepreneur I've, I've ever spoken to struggles with the same stuff. Like, as the founder, you have to be the eternal optimist. Like, you know, uh, you know, the the challenges that you're facing every day, you, you you have to you have to hide them away because you you're the you know you're the spokesperson for your company, you're the leader. Um, you want to make everybody else feel like uh, feel okay. Right? Especially when things are going slightly a bit crazy, you want to make sure that everybody feels like you've got your shit together and everything's under control. Um, uh, but that stuff adds up. Like the weight of that adds up. Um, and like 
I honestly don't think it's a bad thing. Like it's just it's just part of the it's just part of the system. It's just it's just one of those side effects. And the more that we talk about it, I think everybody will be, feel a little bit more normal about it. Um, like you'll have your shit days where you feel like you know the world is on top of you, and and you know you know you feel like you're a complete fraud, and like every decision you're making is bad. And, um, and then the next day you'll realize that actually no, you're actually you're actually doing okay. Um, but you know, sometimes those dips can get pretty low. And, um, and so you know, I, I implore your listeners, like you know, we're all on that journey. And I, th- I actually think the, the best lessons that we learn are from where things go horribly wrong. Um, and so people are always coming to me for advice. It's like, you know, I'm thinking about doing this or about thinking about raising money or whatever the thing is. Like, what did you do that worked? And I'm like, no, 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 I should tell you about all the things that I did that didn't work. Um, because you know what works for me is not going to work for you. Like if I just tell you the stuff that worked for me, then you, you're going to try and build the same business that I built, and you won't, because every every idea is different, every business is different. The biggest value is from all of the mistakes, like when things went went horribly wrong, um, even just the normalization of like this shit is hard, this shit's hard. Um, and it's okay to talk about the hard stuff when it gets hard, because otherwise you internalize that stuff, and that's where, you know, that's where that's where things get unhealthy when you just try and keep it all inside, and you know, you try and be that uh, that superhero. You know, it's like we we're all human, and we've all got flaws, and we all screw up, um, and, uh, and and we should talk about it more. On that incredibly positive note. Uh, I'd just like to say, Vaughan, thanks a million for being on. Thank you for for having me. Great time with you. After that amazing seven-part series with Vaughan Ferguson, we're moving from Rise in Hong Kong to Sastock in Dublin in the next episode, where we'll go back to our 14 minutes of SAS roots with a one-shot 14-minute episode with Dave Blake, founder and CEO of Client Success, a SaaS startup that delivers software that helps you build lasting relationships. It's a customer success platform founded in Lehigh, Utah in 2014, empowering SaaS companies to maximize revenue and minimize churn. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill, his creativity and problem-solving skills, and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating. Mm-hmm.